greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast and a very happy Easter to you all. Do please leave a comment or a like. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with you all as our worship begins. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. is risen. Please be seated. A very warm welcome to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the fifth Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin now with an opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore rejoice by putting away all malice and evil and confessing our sins with a sincere and true heart. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, 
we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, have overcome death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that, as by your grace going before us, you put into our minds good desires, so by your continual help we may bring them to good effect. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the ass. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham put forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your descendants shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The Apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticised him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? But Peter began and explained to them in order, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, No, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brethren also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptised with water, but you shall be baptised with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance unto life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. During the supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and in him God is glorified. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. Some of the best-known sayings of Jesus are so familiar to us these days that we can easily forget quite how challenging they really are. We heard a very good example of precisely that in our Gospel reading a moment ago, which is taken from St John's account of the Last Supper. As Jesus prepares to bid a final farewell to his disciples, he says this to them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Has it ever occurred to you what an odd notion it is to command somebody to love? To give you a parallel example, I could certainly command you to eat a plate of tripe and onions, but could I realistically command you to enjoy the experience? But perhaps the reason why the commandment to love can seem rather bizarre and perplexing is because we tend to regard loving someone as being something that is not really under our control but rather as something that sort of happens to us, whether we like it or not. Love is something that simply wells up within us, often catching us completely unawares, or alternatively, it doesn't. Interesting, isn't it, that we speak of falling in love, as if love were a very large pothole in the pavement that we stumble into quite accidentally on our way back from the pub. And if we perceive love in that kind of way as something that sort of happens to us and is largely outside our control, then surely to try to command someone to love makes no sense at all, particularly when it involves somebody whom we don't even like very much. Surely the very best that might be achieved in such circumstances is pretense, going through the motions in a way that might in fact amount to being actively dishonest. But let's think about this rather more deeply. Yes, it is undoubtedly true that feelings are feelings and that feelings are things that we cannot conjure up or dismiss at will. But nevertheless, there is a very interesting relationship between what we feel and how we act. And strange though it may seem, not only do our feelings influence our actions, but it can actually work the other way around too. Our actions can in fact have quite a profound influence on what we feel. A very wise and insightful Roman Catholic nun whom I used to know would rail against what she described as soap opera morality, which was characterized in her view by the phrase, I can't help how I feel, which was usually said by one soap opera character to another in self-justification after the first individual has announced that they're leaving that person for another relationship 
or because their infidelity or disloyalty has just come to light. I can't help how I feel. The nun's objection to this was that although feelings do indeed well up within us completely unbidden, what we choose to do in response to those feelings remains very much within our control. Hence, for example, I may well feel overwhelming hostility to a traffic warden who has just given me a parking ticket, but that in itself is no justification at all for my then kicking him in the shins. Because there's a very important distinction between the feelings we have and the actions that we choose to take as a result of those feelings. But the really interesting thing is that it works the other way around too. I can remember hearing a school teacher describe her discovery that if she entered a classroom with a positive attitude and a smile on her face, acting as if she was delighted to see the pupils in her charge that morning, regardless of what she was actually feeling about them, it really did have an impact on the start of that lesson and the way in which the children responded to her and the mood of the classroom. And interestingly enough, it also had an impact on her. Over time, she genuinely began to start feeling more positive towards her class, eventually even feeling more positive about the individuals who were most challenging. So her actions turned out to have the capacity to shape her feelings. It really can work both ways. I'm reminded of some of the very wise observations about human nature made by the classical philosopher Aristotle. Firstly, he was of the view that if you really want to know the truth about a human being, don't look at what that person says. Look at how they behave. Look at what they do. And secondly, that if you want to cultivate a particular virtue, the way to do so is simply by doing it. Practice it. Because the more you strive to embody and to live out that virtue, the more it starts to become second nature to you. You do it naturally. It becomes part of who you were over time. What we do really can reveal who we are. And it can also shape who we are. And how we act can also shape the relationships we have with other people. And sometimes, eventually, even begin to change them too. Now let's turn back to our gospel reading. I suspect that when we hear the word commandment, most of us immediately think of a rule that's imposed on us by some external authority, probably accompanied by the threat of punishment if it's not obeyed. But the commandment that Jesus gives to his disciples in our gospel reading, the commandment to love one another, is a very different kind of commandment altogether. And here we need to remember that Jesus is saying this in the context of an intimate meal that he is sharing with his closest companions. And he issues this commandment to them, accompanied by that strange and very memorable example, an action. An action by a man who removes his robe, kneels at their feet, and washes them, just as the most menial of domestic slaves would do. In his commandment to us to love, Jesus is not speaking primarily about feelings, but about actions. He's talking about the way in which we conduct ourselves to one another, meaning here not merely those who are actually already close to us, but much more importantly, those with whom we struggle most. And do please remember, and this is really, really important, that when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper, he does so before Judas leaves to betray him to the authorities. Jesus issues the commandment to love, having moments before washed the feet of Judas and watched him depart into the night to set wheels in motion that will lead to Jesus' own torture and death. The remarkable thing is, as I know from personal experience, that when you do strive to act lovingly towards another person, especially when it's someone whom you struggle to like, in time, your actions can have a very extraordinary and unexpected effect. 
striving to act lovingly, however much it goes against the grain, can at a very deep level begin to change us from the inside. It can begin to change the way in which we relate to the world and to other people. And when we start to relate differently to the world, the world can also begin to relate differently to us over time. It doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't happen instantly. Over time, things really can start to change. And alongside all of this, and perhaps strangest and most mysterious of all, eventually, our feelings begin to change as well. Our second reading today from the book of Acts describes a huge row that was going on in the early church that was all about belonging. It was an argument about who was allowed to be a member of the church and who was not. There were those who firmly believed that in order to become a follower of Christ, you first had to become Jewish and adopt all the trappings of Jewish observance, food laws and circumcision and the observance of holy days and everything else. After all, wasn't Jesus himself and all the disciples, weren't they all Jewish? Stood to reason, didn't it? But the answer that emerged for the early church, which has shaped the Christian faith ever since, was that through his death and resurrection, Jesus completely redefined the boundaries of belonging. Hence, the true followers of Christ are not those who tick all the external boxes of religious observance, but rather they are those who proclaim his saving love in the way in which they live and in the people they become through striving to live out that love through his love and grace. We are all fallen creatures, of course we are. Hence, our constant need for renewal, our constant need to be reminded of God's love and grace and forgiveness when we fall short. And over time, we discover that the commandment that we must love one another is not an order that we have to assent to, Rather, it becomes a truth that we grow into. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who, for us men and for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have her end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. At the end of each prayer, I will say, Lord, for the years, would you please respond, we give you thanks. Lord of the morning, we gather together and ask you to hear the prayers we offer. We ask your blessing on Her Majesty the Queen. 
As celebrations begin to commemorate her platinum jubilee, we give thanks for her dedication and service to this country and the Commonwealth, and for her reassuring presence during sometimes difficult and challenging times throughout her long reign. We wish Her Majesty many years of health and happiness. We pray for your church throughout the world, for Alison, our rector, and Jeff, our associate priest, and for our family and friends who share in our laughter and tears. Watch over those who are separated from us and keep them safe. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. We pray for all who hold positions of responsibility and leadership during this uncertain time in our history. Give them wisdom to learn from mistakes of the past and understand the needs of our time. For all who are lonely or depressed and all whose lives are shattered and broken. Healing God, we ask you to touch those who are unwell Ease their pain and suffering in body, mind and spirit. May your love through us reach those in need and give them renewed hope for the future. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. God of the spirits, we remember before you those we have loved who have reached the end of their earthly life and passed through time into eternity. May we who miss them be comforted by the memories we cherish in our hearts. In a moment of quietness, we bring before you all who are in need and those who have no one to pray for them. Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. Lord of the morning, we thank you for the seasons of our lives this season of blossom and dawn chorus, for mist-shrouded hills and whispering wind, the scent of freshly cut grass. Help us to understand the responsibility we have to keep this treasure, your earth, safe from harm. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? The risen Christ came and stood among his disciples and said, Peace be with you. Then were they glad when they saw the Lord. Alleluia. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. Who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one breath. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts, by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us.
Let us pray. Eternal God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life, grant us to walk in his way, to rejoice in his truth, and to share his risen life, who is alive and reigns now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.